Hello, and welcome to an unexpected podcast. My name is Tim, and with me as always, we have Matt, Rainier, and Devin. And as a basic general person who's here all the time is uh, Robert Cron. Hello, friends. Um, <laughs> uh, on this week's episode, we're going to be going over a list by James Ledbetter. And uh, we have kind of several things that we're going to talk about in this episode. We're going to talk about the new models that came out for Dale. Uh, we're going to talk about my experience at a tournament I just recently went to. And we're going to be going over a couple of Q&A questions as well. So I guess the main point for today will be the Q&A, but we're going to talk about a couple other things that have popped up as well. So we'll go into the list first. So James has an 800-point LaFlorian list, uh, and he has Galadriel with one Galadrimori with Banner and Shield, three Galadrim Court Guard, uh, eight Galadrimoris with Shield, five Galadrimoris with Spear and Shield. He has Rumel with two guards of the Gladrim Court, five Galadrimoris with Shield, five Galadrimoris with Spear and Shield. And then he has Haldir with Heavy Armor and Bow, and he has two Galadrim Warriors with Bow, three Galadrim Knights with Shield, and two Wood Elf Warriors with Bow. So he has 45 models at 800 points and nine Might points. Uh, he says he plans on casting Blinding Light at the start. The two Wood Elf Warriors are used to harass the side of the force. Uh, the cavalry will be used for item-based scenarios. Uh, if he would expand it to 1,000 points, he'd likely ally in Legolas uh, and the Galadrim uh, Captain Mounted. He'd like to keep it pure. Um, and is not a big fan of Celeborn, but one would be open to the idea of including him. He's thinking about converting him to have more Gladrim-like armor. Um, also, he watched the Lothorian. Uh, this is what he came to conclusions based on what we spoke about. Um, so the main weaknesses is that he says he has a lack of heroic march and lack of strength four, but that's you're going to deal with that with else. Um, I actually like this list. Um, I'm a little hesitant on Rumel. Uh, I know he brings an extra point of might, but I think we've talked about in that episode how much we like the Galadrim Captain Mounted and what he can do for this army because it does lack a little bit of hitting power. So I think for, I think, 10 points cheaper, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, I think for 10 points cheaper, you get a more hitting hero. Um, if, Rumel's if you... great. If you get him mounted, he is, I think the Gladwin Captain is actually five points more expensive. Five points more. Okay, I apologize. Yeah. Maybe it's the base cost without the horse. Well, it, it's because you're by it's because you have to spend the 15 points on the armored horse. It's base cost oh, it's, of 70. Gotcha. So yeah, I, I think I would add the captain in because like you said, you're missing March, that solves that issue. But also at that point, even if he runs out of might because you march, you still have a fight six captain on armored horse with an elven blade which a lot of people are going to struggle to go against so he can do a lot of damage there i actually really like the addition of the three gladium knights i think this army has always needed a little bit more hitting power i think adding that to them will really help them out and like you said you can go for objectives and you know what i said in the lafarian episode which is i love to spam out as many elves as possible and i think when you have 45 it really makes it difficult to kind of break through a force like this, especially because they're fight five, they're courage five, you know, pretty much the whole thing is defense six. Um, you have five Galadrim Court Guard. I actually kind of like that. Maybe I would consider dropping one, but I actually, I, I'm pretty okay with five, to be honest with you. Um, two Wood Off Warriors, uh, probably for points, I would imagine. But yeah, I actually really, really like this list. I'd probably actually almost consider taking this myself if I were to take uh, 800 point Malfourian, but um, Matt, I'll go over to you first. What are your thoughts? Okay, um, 
So uh, I think, by the way, that the Wood Elf Warriors are there probably for objective holders and you know for their elven cloaks. Um, I think they're only like one point cheaper than the regular uh, Galadrim. So um, let me discuss a couple of minor tweaks, and then we then I'll discuss kind of a larger change that if you want to consider. Um, so a couple tweaks. Uh, one is where the banner is. Um, were I to design this list, I'd probably put the banner behind your Achilles guy, and Galadriel is not the Achilles guy. I guess with Rumil, so Rumil's the one who's a little tougher, um, has the reroll the six thing, um, but does not have heroic strike. Um, Haldir is you know kind of the less tough of the two, but has heroic strike. You probably want to put the banner behind one or the other of uh, those because those are the guys who are probably going to be going forward and fighting. Um, Galadriel's got a bunch of Galadrim warriors with her. Uh, so I guess the next topic I'd want to talk about is warband construction. Um, this has two warbands of fighters, one led by Galadriel, one led by Rumil, and then one a warband of bows led by Haldir, that's not how I would construct this. Um, because with this particular list, I think especially since it doesn't have March, I think you want to be leery about having one warband that's just all bows. I think you want to integrate your bows in with the rest of the warbands so you have three warbands that can fight. So that if you know, if Haldir's stuck out on his own, if he gets a bad roll um, uh, on Maelstrom of Battle, it's it, it doesn't mean that like all of your archers are going to get overrun. Um, and also, you tend to want your your archers to be kind of near the blinding light so that they can shoot out of it. And I think it's helpful to have Galadriel have those. Um, uh, and, and then I can tell you about how I usually do a Lothlorien list. This may or may not be the correct way to do a Lothlorien list, but it's it's what I found to be effective is I tend not to go with just Galadrim warriors with bows. I think it's fine to have a couple of wood elf warriors with bows just to set on an objective, hide, hide behind a tree with their elven cloak and plink out of it. But the Galadrim warriors with bows, I tend to give spears as well, and they form the second line behind the guys with the shields. So they can shoot out of that shield wall, um, basically, so they can hide behind the, the defense six guys in the first place. And then they can, once the lines clash, they can contribute to the fighting. Because um, even with 45 models, you're spending too many points on a Galadrim warrior with a bow to not have him fight in the end. You're going to need to pitch them in. And if you're going to pitch them in, you want them to be you want them to double as the spear supports behind the other um, Gladrum warriors and defense six guys. Um, so I would consider kind of monkeying around with your warband distribution. So you have the capability to form three mini shield walls with some shooting coming out of it. I think primarily the bows would be in Galadriel's warband because um, that's kind of what's going to cause the base of fire. And then the other two warbands could kind of press forward behind Haldir and, and Rumil. Um, so anyway, those are, those are kind of the small changes that I would suggest to this. The, the, the big change that 
at least I would consider to this list. And I know you say you don't like uh, the Caliborn model. Um, I, I do like the Caliborn model. My typical loadout at 750 points above uh, and above for Lothlorien is Gladriel Caliborn Captain. Um, and well, if I may say something, I think. I think he actually just physically doesn't want the Kelborn model. Yeah, I know. So, I, I know. Okay, so I mean, I would just proxy it. Like, I would just be like, oh, okay. We'll yeah, that's true. You can use a different another model. model. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's use, not the profile he's against. Yeah, Ru- yeah. use Rumiel if you, you know, use his figure and say, this is this is Kelborn. He's got, you know, different armor. Um, or use, like, you know, Thranduil with a head swap or something. Yeah. yeah. I don't um, think anyone will have a problem with Well, I, I think you'll have to make some kind of conversion because i think it's straight up proxy i think in gbhl tournaments i don't like that but it depends yeah. on where you're at uh, yeah, yeah it, it does depend but anyway um so yeah i mean so Kelleborn, I, I mean the the galadriel Kelleborn um uh captain mix solves your heroic march problem um gives you more hitting your gives you more killing power because Kelleborn can enchant his blades um, and uh, gives you a, a point less might, but that's not all that critical with this with this particular list. Um, so that may be one thing to think about. I mean, I think I think the the problem I always have. Well, I don't think I've ever taken a Rumiel Haldir Galadriel mix. I've always been kind of afraid of it, precisely because of that lack of. Uh, lack of march and lack of uh, hitting power because you only really have one guy with heroic strike and that's Haldir and he's only got two attacks. Um, you've got Galadriel who can make up for some of that with transfix, but being able to throw to have Caliborn in there, get that third attack, and you know he's Lord of the West, so essentially he has a fourth attack uh, to win stuff. You know, and his ability to enchant blades, and you get the second transfix. He brings a lot to the party that that Haldir doesn't. Um, you you probably have to get rid of a few figures in this, so you're going to have a smaller army. But I don't think your army is going to get that smaller. You need to find, I think, if you're going to substitute for Rumiel and substitute Haldir for the captain, you need to find probably like 60 points or so worth of figures, which you can probably do. If you're going to mount the captain, you can probably dispense with one of the mounted Galadrum knights. You can probably get rid of one guard of the Galadrum court. So you've got two pairs of two. That's what I usually use. Um, and you know, maybe you consolidate some of your Galadrum figures so that you've got guys with bows and spears making up that second line. Okay. Um, Devin, thoughts? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to almost want to pass on even making too much commentary on it, mostly because... I mean, this strikes me the, the the part of the list that I fear most of this is the 45 model count. Um, I'm not sure that reducing model count to add Caliborn really makes me fear it more unless you took out, I want to almost say Galadriel, but I know losing Blinding Light is... is uh, I have played against lists without Galadriel and it has done well because you have the resistance to magic. Yes, you lose the Blinding Light, but... I actually think you can very well do this list without Galadriel and just substitute for Kelborn. Yeah, I, there's like, and, and I haven't tried it, but I'm glad, Tim, then that you have some experience with it. Cause like, 
I don't know how much Gladwell is actually adding to the list. Now, I get it. If you don't have March and you don't have blinding light, then that means you're kind of a victim of like Corsair shooting waves and stuff. So, you know, then, okay, you might have to exchange Rummel for a captain, exchange Gladwell for, and then have a lot of hitting power. So you have now the combination of a 45 model count army that's all pretty well defensive. Like most of your guys have shields. Most of them are defense six. They're all fight five. So you can really play a war of attrition pretty well combined with having three combat characters. So it's almost Galadriel that I'm like considering removing, but I hesitate to say it because I, I haven't actually played Lothlorien with no March and no, no uh, magic whatsoever with Galadriel. So I think if I were to do that, I think I would have to double down on saying swap Rummel for a captain if you're going to do the Celeborn option, but I don't think the list is bad the way it is, but I definitely don't fear it because you don't have anything hard hitting. I mean, it's beyond the lack of strength for it's, it's, you don't have even heroes worth bothering with at 800 points. I mean, I'm throwing Dane around. I'm throwing like, you know, you're getting all the big bads at, at 800 points. I just am not. And then you have just Galadriel to like tackle a single target what she can do pretty effectively. Um, but I think if I throw two solid hitters at you, I don't know, last Alliance army with, with Elendil and, and, and Gilgalad, I'm just going to run over this thing. Um, so that's my, my main thought. So I'm not saying the list is bad, but it lacks a serious threat. But then again, I know that I've seen lists like this make top tables. So like I said, not a bad list. If you kept it exactly the same, I think you'd do well, which is why I'm like, you know, I do echo, though, uh, what Matt said about moving the banner. Um, if you do want to have all the bows in one war band, if you must do that, I actually, yeah, wouldn't stick him with Halder. He's actually kind of your only other combat here. Uh, you're probably going to throw him with Gladriel. And then, uh, but otherwise, yeah, divvying him up is probably the better option, uh, similar to how you did the Gladriel Court Guard a bit. Um, so, uh, I and, and then probably maybe even distributing the Knights because the Knights' real only purpose is objective runners. Then it's like you really don't want them all landing in a single war band and being like, Oh, we have to move fast, especially, <laughs> you know? So, um, so that's the other comment I'll make, but yeah, it's, it's not a bad list, but it is the 45 model count that, that makes me uh, like it. So. I mean, there are, there are a couple of uses to keeping a couple of the knights, you know, in fights just because you can throw them in, especially like out on the flanks where you can throw them in against somebody who's just fighting like an elf or an elf and a spear and just knock that guy down. Hmm. Um, if you win, and then you're probably going to kill him as opposed I'm to... I'm not implying never throw him in six. combat. Yeah. It's just in his text below, he said he was using him as objective right. runners. Right. Uh, so obviously if the scenario is to the death, then yeah, like, throw him into combat. You know, certainly so. And I don't think he intends not to, like, if there's no objective, I don't think he's going to be like, alright, we'll sit him off to the side. And, yep. Uh, okay, uh, Rob? Uh, I mean, it's, it's a little bit hard to add anything more to what... Uh, both Devin and Matt said there, I pretty much agree with everything, you know, if you're going to stick with this army purely as it is, rearrange the warbands for sure. Um, on that note, since you are lacking, you know, all of the things that you have self-identified as lacking, specifically, you know, lack of killing power and march, if that's the case, um, and you're not going to fix those specific things, which I think you should with um, the addition of the captain, for example, but I would add um, more bows, honestly, because you're not even at your bow limit and that yeah, you, kind of range capability from behind 
blinding light is actually going to be some of your killing power, right? Um, so one way to do that, and one way I would probably do that is to um, drop the shields on the knights and just give them bows, honestly. Um, I've done that a lot with, like, say, Mounted Citadel Guard. And, I mean, a cavalry warrior, if you're already going into a fight like that and you're knocking over, you're probably going to kill anyway. And if you're going to be sitting back on objectives, um, then you actually have that bow to interact with the game a little bit. But in just in general, I would add more bows to the list. But that said, I either agree with, you know, changing up the heroes to the lineup that Matt had mentioned, the Celeborn Gladriel Captain. I think that's a pretty good lineup, even if it costs you a little bit of numbers, or just dropping Gladriel, as Devin and Tim mentioned. I think both of those things would would kind of give this list a little bit of a something um, of a boost in that sense. But again, I mean, 45 elf bodies, right? 45 bodies, mostly D6 and fight five. Um, even it's like pizza, right? Even when it's bad, it's good kind of thing. So I definitely think that in competent hands, it can do very well um, with some of the tweaks, right? Especially on rearranging the war bands and, um, and I would say upping the bow limit. Okay, uh, Rainier. Uh, you might be muted, Rainier. Uh, no, he turned himself off mute. Yeah, you can't. We can't hear. Him. <laughs> That's okay. But, um, yeah, no worries. Rainier agrees with us because yes, we'll, we'll because we're right, <laughs> and he knows we're right. He knows. Um, we're right. I mean, I wanna... Rainier, just move your lips. We'll dub you. <laughs> oh. He's he'll come back. He'll come back. I yeah, think he'll come back. He'll be there. Well, so, one thing I just wanted to add in defense of keeping Galadriel in here, because I, I mean, because I think you can do that. You can take Galadriel out. You can substitute Celeborn, and then it's Celeborn and the, and the two kids, um, or Celeborn and one of the kids and a captain. But uh, Galadriel is useful in combination with the guard of the Galadrim court, because like in, in a Galadriel Celeborn captain mix, you know, the captain is just going to be killing. Um, warriors Caliborn can take on a heavy on his own um just because of of who he is and you know what he can bring to the table especially with spear supports and stuff like that and the other thing that can can kind of at least check a hero is is uh galadriel just bombarding that hero with transfixes and then the guard of the galadrim court just moving in behind whoever that hero has charged um and because uh, you end up in that circumstance, you know, if it's a fight six hero, he, you know, and it's a fight six mounted hero, he charges in on, you know, an elf, uh, and a second elf then charges in, and then a couple guard of Galadrim Court comes in, and then he gets transfixed, so he can't strike, and then it's you know fight six with three attacks that's not going to be making any wounds against you know fight six with four or five attacks where. If the guy loses the combat, he's at the very least going to lose his horse. Um, and that, you know, that can basically take a hero out of play. So it's just something to think about with Galadriel. Using her in combination with the Guard of the Galadrim Court is, is a useful little trick. Can you guys hear me now? We can yeah. hear you now. Welcome okay, back. Perfect. Here we go. I'm like, why aren't they answering what I say? How rude. This whole time I'm on <laughs> mute. <laughs> okay. I think Rumo has heroic defense though, right? Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea. I'm just looking at army. I wouldn't change it too much. I agree with everything Matt said, the composition and what Rob said, like bow max out the bows, um, change up the war bands. But I don't know if I try to change it too much to where you lost the numbers. If anything, maybe rumor for a captain to get rogue March, 
but I see this army kind of like I see Easterlings. You Easterlings have movement. They get there, then they die, and they win the scenario game. Uh, these elves don't have the movement, but they survive and they win the scenario game. So I like the, the fight five, fight six everywhere. I like even how you have defense six almost all around. So yeah, I don't think I'd change the heroes unless it was Rumil for a captain. And even Rumil, I like him there because he can just stop stuff from happening. Back to like playing a defensive game. You won't die. You just rogue defense with him, rogue defense with Galadriel, and like hope to like kill some stuff. So yeah, that's all I have to actually, say. The numbers that I actually was the reason I didn't want to do the whole Galadriel Kelleborn combo because yeah. I actually mm-hmm. kind of like the 45. I, yeah, I it's, be honest, it's disgusting. When, when, when I go against, I've gone against, uh, and I want to point out, he also mentions um, if Orphan comes out, he might add them, but we won't talk about him really just because. We don't know no speculation. what he'll be like. Yeah, yeah. but we, we, we just don't know what he'll, he'll be like. So assuming he is better, we obviously would suggest to put him in, but until we know otherwise, we can't suggest that. But when I go against Galadriel with a couple of, you know, he has five guard of the Galadriel court, it doesn't really matter a ton to, to Galadriel's defense because you just put the, the guards in on a hero and you just try to transfix the hero and then they don't really do anything. It doesn't make a difference because more than likely they're not fight seven. And even if they were fight seven, if you if you transfix them, they're not winning the fight anyway. So it, it's really good for, to have Galadriel in that respect. But I have to say, I do fear um, Celeborn a little bit more than Galadriel just because of what he adds to the list. But when you have Galadriel in the list, it makes it so near enough, no other army in the game is out shooting you. You're coming to them because you have Blinding Light plus the amount of bows at strength three with plus shoot value but i actually kind of almost agree with matt to a certain extent if you can not lose too many numbers i think galadriel and uh kelborn is the way to go because that those two together with haldir is not fun to go against whatsoever as long as you don't lose i'd say more than probably seven models i would probably consider doing that as a as an upgrade because at that point you still have 38 models and i still think that's really tough to go against um with because Every time I go against Galadrim, I'll be honest with you, I think I've played them roughly 60 times, and I think I've actually... I'm glad you count. Like, yeah. <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, for anyone on the, listening to this podcast doesn't know, Tim has more combat experience against Galadrim than any other human. Like on Earth, yeah, certainly more than any of us combined. It's and just like is... a wall in your house where you get home and you etch it with a knife, right? <laughs> Another battle against Gladrim. Yeah, he he actually has Haldir's head mounted on a, uh, on a plaque yes. on his yeah. wall. I, I bring it as a banner so that he knows what's coming. <laughs> so, so for those who aren't in on the joke, Tim's only opponent in Syracuse, New York, is a guy who refuses to play any other army than uh, Lothorian, and this is. Uh, the, I, the think, I think what it is is I, you know because i've talked to him about this a couple of times i think he's kind of interested in getting into corsairs but i don't think he's he's gotten the models yet but i don't know it, it just hasn't happened yet but i imagine he'll try to get another army but basically yes i only play lothorian when i play like custom games with with him so i, I have a very good amount of experience against galadrim um and i have to say out of the like the i use an example 60 games I think I've only ever gotten them to 25%, maybe twice. They're a very good defensive army. And I've probably broken them like 15 out of 60 times. Like 
they just don't break, especially when you get high number counts like like Devin and myself are talking about. They're just so hard to break through because when you've got defense six and fight five in a banner, especially, it's it's not easy to get through that. I actually think you need to play this army very defensively and move off of the objectives. Like there, there's no reason I think you should be going all out with this army, even with those numbers. It's it's there to hold the line, and it does a very good job of doing so, in my opinion. Um. But yeah, I, I, I like this list. If you went either way, you know, if you kept uh, Galadriel or if you went with Kelborn, I think it works. I think for a general consensus, we're saying maybe drop Rumil for the Galadrim captain on horse because I think he adds a little bit of hitting power and it also adds the march. And if you can keep the model count up, then definitely do so. Uh, maybe try to fit Kelborn in there. But uh, thank you for your list. And if you use it in any uh, games or tournaments, let us know how you do with it. I am curious to see how somebody else does with Lothlorien. I don't really meet many people who play it. Um, but we'll move on to the next topic, which is the new Dale Garrison that got, got promoted, which is the new models and the new way it's going to kind of be played. Uh, Rob, if you want to kind of go over that in general for everyone. Yeah, so um, we... We had an article come out on Warhammer Community, um, what, last week, I want to say? And it gave us a preview of what the new Dale models that are coming with what is, you know, assumed to be a supplement coming up now that we've also had um, Dane and Thorin Stonehelm. And, uh, and they're really, really cool. And in this article, they not only showed us some pictures of them, but also previewed um, a couple of the rules. So I don't know if you kind of want to go through each of them individually, or if you want me to just summarize what they are all at once. No, let's kind go of... through each of them individually. Perfect. So the first one that they showed us was one that we kind of knew was coming because it was, um, it was included as a bit of a call out in the Thorin and Old Dane profile. And that is... King Brand of Dale, so um, War of the Ring era King Brand of Dale, and he is a really cool model. He's got kind of a pose that is reminiscent on some of the out, um, concept artwork that they did for the Hobbit movies when they were considering showing some of like the Third Age Dale stuff. Uh, Rules-wise, they do give us a bit of a preview on some of the things he's going to do. Um, unsurprisingly, he's going to be a hero of legend. Um, also I like how he's too. a hero of legend, even though he only shows up in the appendix. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's right. He's a legend. We don't know if he exists, right? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, and uh, he's also going to have a 12-inch standfast, which kind of, um, it's a little bit of a, a callback to Bard, who he is the descendant of. Um, skilled warrior with a fight value of five and three attacks. Um, they do say that he dies. So even though it's not explicitly written out, I imagine that means one fate at best. And then he's going to have a rule called stoic fighter, where if he is trapped or would be trapped, if he lost a fight, he can reroll a single D six to both win the fight and a single D six when rolling to wound. So that's actually pretty interesting. Um, when he gets trapped, he kind of gets better at fighting and, um, and that opens up some kind of interesting plays that you can do with the character. Now, we obviously don't know all of his defensive stats, so I don't know how wise it is to trap him, right? He might be crappy defense, probably one fate. That um, doesn't say he has heroic defense or, or even strike. So we don't actually know, but it is an interesting rule. Um, and yeah, uh, so that's that's King Brand. Yeah, I mean... It's a shame Dale doesn't have pikes, I suppose, if you're going right, yeah. to track your own guy. But. Well, I mean, 
there, the new spears a, are kind of like pikes. Yeah, I was going to say we'll talk about the new spears when we when we get there. Yeah. But uh, well, so I mean, you can just you know choose to trap your own guy if you want to, right? By just if you really want to win, people behind him, right? So I actually think that um, there is some interesting things that that opens up because um, if he's trapped and he's rerolling a d6 and has three attacks. And then he's got a banner nearby. He's rerolling two of his dice, right? Mm-hmm. So you're probably getting the six with him in the combat. Now, obviously, if if you're fighting something that's going to roll you anyway, that's a really bad idea. But it is, you know, interesting that you can do some neat tricks with him that way. So can here's an FAQ to, yeah. in the making, um, and, and that's because it's uh, the way. I mean, we haven't seen the actual rule and how it's drafted, but the way this is written is his Stoic Fighter special rule means that if he is trapped, should he lose a fight? He can reroll a single D6 to win the fight. If he's got a spear support behind him in a battle line, he could choose whether or not to be trapped. Yeah, correct. So he, yeah. he can always be trapped if he. But once again, we don't know the wording. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. if written that plainly, then he's always trapped if you want him to be. Yeah. FAQ, FAQ, FAQ. If the rule works kind of as worded or you know clearly intended, it's neat. Like with. Some of the other characters that, you know, have rules that key off of trapping, um, like Ingold and others, there's going to be some level of, we need an FAQ on this because, like, this entire scenario is weird. But That's not what we you know. meant. <laughs> yeah, Ingold, yeah, so. I think, has a few FAQs already. Uh, Ingold's had, like, six FAQs, and I still don't think it's properly explained personally. I <laughs> yeah, just, no, I just it's, don't it's really run not. him anymore, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> very was... cool, but I just, I like the original where it's just, like, he doesn't trapped fine it's not yeah. that not that good it's not that powerful yeah no i mean what they what they turned it into was basically a hot mess but yeah well i mean i like i i like that he has fight value five and three attacks which you know break i mean there's there's two immutable rules with games workshop and figures right and that's being fat is good and being old is bad <laughs> and you know speaking on behalf of, of those of us who are of a certain age in this hobby I'm glad that um, you know he retained his uh, his third attack here, and hopefully he doesn't have like some other you know crippling disability special rule um, for being. Uh, Wait, how old is he in this, in this fight? Well, I mean, his hair—I think he's pretty old. I think he's in his sixties, um, but wow. I mean, his his hair is white if you look at the figure. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm not no, actually, actually sure if not we, seen we know in Tolkien specifically how old he is, but I imagine. Late fifties to sixties is probably a good bet, right? Yeah, he does look fairly spry for an old guy, though. With this pose, he's got kind of like that squat going and yep. sword ready to go. It's a very cool model. Um, he's, been, he's been doing the yoga. He's been staying uh-huh. flexible and you know making making sure that the muscle tone stays. So, you, or and, they you just know. forgot to include the chair that comes on his base that he's yeah. actually sitting down on. But I mean, he's not like Balin where he kind of let himself go to seed, <laughs> but. Uh, um, do we want to talk about probably the most talked about thing with uh, the new edition, which is the spear support models? Yeah. Uh, well, wait, wait a second. First, we got his son. Can't forget oh, his son. son. Okay, we can go to the son. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> if there's nothing else to say about um, about brand, it should come when the profiles are released. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's a little bit hard. Um, I'm just going to assume that the viewers are uh, will be pulling up the pictures of the model in front of them so that they know what we're talking about and listeners will just have to 
imagine it in their mind's eye. Um, so the next profile is Bard II, who is the son of Brand and a, another descendant of the um, original um, Bard from the Hobbit era. He is another pretty cool model. He's got kind of this almost like wildernessy cloak on with little like fur on it. That's pretty neat. And he's um, he's in an action pose with a spear. Another yeah, this is a, another this very is a really one. nice model. Should, I, I'm, I'm a big fan. A this model. Yeah. Yeah. And um, from what I can tell, there's like fur lining on his cloak. And it's just a really, really cool model. Very, very well sculpted. Very excited about that one. Rules wise, what do they tell us about him? Um, again, he is a natural fighter. He has a fight value of five at three attacks, and they do say that he has both strike and defense as heroic actions. They say he's got defense seven and two points of fate. And then he's got the, um, he adopts the fighting style of the Knights of Dale um, because he's also armed with a spear and a shield, which we'll get to in the next profile. But, um, or maybe we just kind of have to talk about it now because otherwise he doesn't make any sense. So basically if he is charged, he gets plus one to wound with his spear. So it's like a reverse lance, basically, where it kicks in when he is charged rather than when he charges, which is also super cool. And I don't think we've seen anything like that yet before in the game. So I'm I'm into it. Are yeah, you this guy's more a beast. of a fan of that or less of a fan of like, would you rather have the spear or would you rather have that benefit benefit when someone charges you or vice versa? Like when I think, you have I think it's a good a good way to like balance it because a lot of people are getting burly. I think it would have made sense if they made these rules and incorporated that back in the day with a pike because it would stop cavalry charges and other charges. It just makes sense historically. Mm-hmm. But I think this guy's a beast. Fight yeah. five, three attacks, defense seven, strike and defense. And he'll probably come out at like 115 points or something. Like this guy has it going on. And I like the typical games workshop when it comes to Lake Town aesthetic. They're like, oh, let's put shoulder pads on him and make him one more defense. <laughs> like, yeah, it makes he's probably sense. wearing some wicker underneath of his little wilderness coat. So, yeah, well, exactly. you, you can see some mail peeking out underneath all the fur down there at the bottom. <laughs> well, I mean, it's. I think it's. Um, it's fair to assume he'll be a hero of valor, so that he's mm-hmm. just under his dad. Um, yeah. I think if he's already got five, five, three attacks. Um, three might is probably not out of the question. So I think he'll actually be a really, really solid little fighter. And I mean, all these crazy mounted heroes that um, just want to go hero killing, running into him is a risk, right? Because strikes up and if you lose plus one to wound, I mean, your horse is dead no matter what, right? But like, that's that's scary, right? Yeah. So he's, he's, he's a troop killer too at fight yeah. five too. Like he's got, he's like what we all wanted Raza to be basically. Yes. Oh, like, like, all all oh. the holes with Raza's like uh-huh. oh, 50 50 i'm gonna die or kill and i can't kill anything over fight four like he he's Raza. <laughs> i i was so disappointed with Raza. raza's <laughs> such an amazing model too i right? know like, it's I, so I, good I he was he was the solution that all parade players were looking for which is we don't have a ton of might he gives three we don't have heroic strikes he gives heroic strike and he has the ability to kill people on foot great What's the problem? Nope. Fight for. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, no, I, I, that's just a little rant I have about Ross because I was so excited for him and then he turned into that. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a very good profile. I, I definitely think, you know what he kind of reminds me of? He's like that profile of like, what's what's the dwarves with, uh, um, I can't think of the name of the army, uh, Erebor, I think, 
where mm-hmm. even though the, the the head honcho thrower is supposed to be like the best model, it's really kind of the under models that are kind of better than him because he ends up having the one fate. So you mm-hmm. kind of prefer the other models over him. But it doesn't mean he'll, the, you know, uh, Bard will be bad. It's just that his son is better, in my opinion, right off the start, depending on the points. But Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, obviously a lot of this will depend on the points and, um, as Matt put it, any hidden crippling weaknesses they're yes. not writing about, yeah. right? <laughs> but, yeah. um, but, like, on the face of what is said in this article, um, I'm, I think it's pretty awesome. So yeah. yeah. I mean, just given that, I mean, you, I know you asked that question, Tim, about which better to get plus one on the charge or plus one when you get charged. I, yes. I mean, imagine off the initial, like I might say like, Oh, when charging because that you have the agency, like you can choose to have it happen. But I mean, I guess that, yeah, there's a lot of potential for being charged and, and it kind of has this weird psychological effect, even though it's not much more than just burly, which I guess is a big deal. Um, I, I, I imagine some people might rethink their, their charges. Yeah. Like if, if it's going to play well with the army too, because you're going to have spam Eskroth bows. Yeah. yeah, and they're they're I mean, gonna be sitting back, and you're like, it's a very good on. little combo. Yeah, that's and, the tactic, right? Is you you build your, I mean, so I I think what that rule will kind of bring out is it's and and somebody said this is you know you think this is how pike should work, but you know it's going to bring out this kind of this kind of traditional Greek Roman phalanx um, type of uh, situation where you have like just the wall of spears and you put, so anyway, I, I guess we should talk about the Knights of Dale, which are the, the warrior figure that they're promoting here. Yeah. Are, so why don't we go over real yeah, quick? Talk because, about them um, and then we can talk about tactics. And then we'll talk about Dale as an army after this release in general, because yeah. there's a lot to say there. So the last profile and set of models, it's a set of three models is the Knights of Dale, which are um, the city's elite guard founded by the ancestors of Geryon and reinstated following Dale's rebuilding, and they protect the royal line of Dale, um, and they're led by Prince Bard. Uh, the models are outstanding. Um, I've already been a Dale fanboy from day one, and I was the crazy person who bought like a million of that plastic kit back in the Hobbit era. Oh, that so, was like, you? For me, <laughs> yeah, that was, like this is everything I've wanted out of Dale and never dreamed I'd ever get, but um, they really are cool models. They've got this kind of stoic pose with their, you know, spears and shields at the ready. So uh, little crests on their helmets. They look a little bit like the concept art again from the, um, from the Hobbit movies and the appendices, just really, really cool. But importantly, um, their rules. So as we talked about with Prince Bard, they all have the same reverse Lance rule. So they have heavy armor shields and spears and their spears uh, get plus one to wound when they are charged. Um, the fact that it says they have heavy armor, if you, if you compare them to a warrior of a Dale, I assume that means they're also going to be defense six because warriors of Dale have armor and are defense five, right? With yep. shields. Um, and they, they haven't explicitly said this anywhere, but they keep talking about how they protect the princes of the city. So I don't think like a bodyguard rule is too out of the question potentially. Um and yeah, and so they're just uh, they're just a, a new elite troop option for Garrison of Dale armies um, that are super super rad. <laughs> yeah, I mean these guys are clearly meant to be the front rank of the shield wall, so that they get that that plus one to wound when somebody charges in. And yeah, you did you did point out that these look a lot like the the concept art. I mean, it is a very different aesthetic than i think anything else that you see in the lord of the rings range mm-hmm. um these guys if you take a look at them are very greco-roman i Absolutely. mean they've got 
they've got the the crossways horsehair plume um which comes off of a roman centurion's helmet uh the uh the the way their helmets are designed is very reminiscent of like a greek hoplites yeah, it's very uh, helmet helm style yeah yeah exactly and uh and i think that kind of that that telegraphs a bit about how they're supposed to be used i mean i see mm-hmm. these guys and i'm like ooh, this looks like a greek phalanx yeah. Um, and I think that's you know kind of what they're intended to do. And then, yeah, um, tactics are going to be how do you get them to charge your phalanx? Well, yeah, so that's I, the I, that's the really interesting thing, right? Like usually if you have an elite troop, and I'm assuming these will be more elite, more expensive, you want them, and they have a spear, you want to put them in the back rank, right? Whereas these guys you expressly do not want in the back rank, which is kind of reverse of everything you would instinctively want to do. Um, and then when it comes to tactics, it's kind of like you want them to charge you, so you're giving up some of your like tactical mobility, but and you're hoping you lose priority for that reason. But on the other hand, if they do in priority, they have to think about whether to charge you. So it's like this weird standoff, right? Where there's like a, a risk reward system that I think is going to be really interesting. Yeah, it's, I think you're going to see these guys spammed because they're they're yeah, like I was just going to ask, but like with, with more, more killing for you to spam them. I you, think if you have 11 points, they, they can be extremely expandable. Uh, yeah, I agree. That, depending on the point cost, you're talking about the end of ever playing the Warriors of Dale. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> you're, you're just going to see bows. a whole, the bows oh, are the yeah, best no, part of that see, army. That's right. But you're just going to see a whole bunch of sad huskarls just in the background, yeah. just like moping about it. But I, I like the idea because like I've actually seen quite a lot of Dale spams because Marcus from our group plays it all the time. And it is a really, really good list. It shoots uh-huh. the heck out of things. But the one problem that comes across is once combat hits it it crumbles and i even i play corsairs against it and i was like okay two spams two good shooting but once combat hit the corsairs corsairs just killed them but i like this idea because it gives it that killing power the two heroes i'm not i don't think they're going to be too expensive and they're a hero of legend probably hero of valor you can spam with that and then these guys it's just like okay let's say 11 12 points for something that's better than a than a fountain court guard and especially better in this army context. I think this Absolutely. is going to be a really good list and that's mm-hmm. not even taken into account when you ally it with Erebor or other things like this is. Yeah. They do call out that um, the garrison of Dale, when it goes to the third age with these characters as a historic ally, I think with yeah. Erebor or maybe that was in the, uh, the Dane profile, but somewhere it was called out that Dale and Erebor reclaimed become historical allies in the third age, which makes sense. Right. So, so I think, I, 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 I think the main thing that will stop these things from being spammed, to be honest, if they're 11 points or less, assuming 11 points, assuming having the bodyguard rule and all of that, or maybe less, but is a uh, monetary cost. I think the actual yeah. dollars, cause they, they show them in a pack of those of three, which means they're probably coming in a pack of three. So I think and they're, they're probably going to be thirty-three dollars. Thirty-three dollars, like yeah. yeah. So I think that is what will stop them from being. Spent. You spam thirty of them, and that's like three hundred yeah. and something. You'll see people coming in being like, "Can you just pretend my warriors are Dale?" Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I, I mean, I don't think you want to spam. I, I don't think there is any point to having more than half of your army consist of these guys. I, right? I agree with that because because you still want to get around 52 to 54 models in a 100 point army so like if you do spam them half or anymore like you are losing that horde aspect and, and man, we don't know the profiles too yeah so i mean yeah. this may be a, a case of like the easterling acolytes where it's like yeah. you think you'd want all, to spam all i'm saying is this if easterlings only get the acolytes i'm probably gonna sue 
<laughs> I think I, you're I, actually party to a bring much a class larger action group there. Yeah. yeah, and I think I'll get class action. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I, think curious, all of us would join that class action, to yeah. be honest. I'm, I'm curious, though, just based last little question. Um, if you were to come up against these guys, knowing that if you charge them, they get plus one to wound, how are you dealing with that in a game? Throwing spears. Well, get, we don't throwing know all spears of, thrown. Yeah, yeah, we don't know all of their rules, but yeah, a lot, imagine if you assuming, have assuming they're fight the fight for defense six with that special rule. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that throwing weapons of range. I mean, obviously, range. Dale's not an army that hesitates to shoot back, so that's yeah. gonna. Well, be yeah, you, you have uh, elf bows behind them too, and you can. Um, to yeah. Matt's point, you have a warrior of Dale with an Eskaroth bow and a spear, <laughs> right? So. You so, um, so then you fight a weird dilemma. You, you really just have to take the charge. You just have to charge. Like, I mean, charge him with like a hero that you know is going to kill yeah. him and stuff. And yeah. then I, I think they're going to be defense seven too because what's his face? Ooh, defense what? seven. Ooh. I, I think That's... they might be because if you see there, they look like Warriors of Dale, but they have the shoulder pads. And I that's think that's true. So they're probably D8. The shoulder at that pads point. are going to be. They're probably D10, actually, because what's I, I, if, if these guys are D7, then you will see a lot less alliances with the actual Erebor troops, I think. I, I that, could be wrong. I'm just saying, like, with the theme of a wicker basket and, like, a chain mail coming down earring, like, they're defense five. I, I think so these guys these are going to be defense six. And the reason I think okay. these guys are going to be defense six is because they are equipped the same as. Um, Bard the second and Bard the second gets the extra plus one defense for being a hero. Yeah. So they're going to be one less defense than he is. We know he's defense seven. So I think these guys are going to be defense. I actually seven. imagine I think that it'd be good. you're going to take your warrior Vidale as a template, right? And then just add the heavy armor on top and then the yeah. reverse Lance rule I think and then maybe bodyguard, right. but they're still going to essentially be a warrior of Dale at fight four and defense six, in my opinion. So yeah, I think that's my call. Too. I, I know the best way to defeat that though. You take a hundred woes and you shoot blow pipes. Out. I'm having trouble hearing you, Tim. Oh, am I cutting out? I apologize. Um, no, it's just low volume. Uh, low volume. Let me see if I can. Is that any wow. better? Um, Project. <laughs> let, so you let, said let you'd, me, you'd blow pipe them to death I, i'd take a hundred woes and i just blow pipe them to death yeah. i just take a hundred camels and stomp them to death well, yeah. I, I don't think you need a hundred camels i think you just need like you know 40 or 50 corsairs with throwing weapons i mean that that i think would be the bane of these guys existence is you know two ranks of corsairs kind of run up park six inches away from them and just start to throw and then you got to charge well and, uh, honestly um that lothlorian list that we reviewed earlier sits behind blow it's back and forces you to charge right yeah. so like there's lots of counterplay it's just a very interesting dynamic and mechanic that we haven't seen in the game and is actually going to change the way you play a little bit which we haven't seen in a long time so i'm very excited about it also i really love dale so i'm very yeah. biased Justice for Dale, right? Wasn't that trending for a long time? That was. So I, I, I like the idea that it's going to make Dale more competitive, but I don't think it's going to make them too competitive, which I like that balance aspect. And I look forward actually to see them being played on the top half of tournaments. So it's Definitely. Good. Okay. Um, anybody, have, anybody else have anything to say about them? No? All right. Uh, we'll move on to our third topic for today, which is a tournament I recently attended. Uh, this was a tournament in Mawa, New Jersey, and I have to say, this was probably one of my favorite tournaments I've ever been to. So if anybody's ever considering going to Mythicos in Mawa, I highly recommend it. It was a very good group of guys, 
Uh, probably one of the best group of guys I've, I've been to in a really long time. Tournament was pretty decent. Um, and yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Um, basically, it was a 650-point tournament. And I took a list that we did on a list review, uh, I believe coming up on the previous, or it was on the previous episode. Uh, basically, I took Suladon with a bunch of Harad. I took Shagrat with some Moranans and Black Minorians. And I took Guru to Black Minorians and Moranans. Uh, my first round, I got paired. I, I apologize for everyone. I'm not going to remember. I'm terrible with names, as you've heard on the podcast before. Um, so my first round was against a um, younger gentleman. I believe he was probably about 16 or so. And he took um, Rangers of Athelion. So I was really quaking my boots, to be honest with you. Because as we all know, when you get 45 bows shooting at you, you're not real happy about it. <laughs> Um, but I ended up coming out with that with a 9-0 win. What was the scenario? Uh, it was seize the prize. Ah, so, okay. So not really what the Rangers of the Philian want. No, and, and, and to be fair to him, he was a newer player. Um, he, he was just getting into the game, so fair enough to him. He, um, he kind of sat back and tried to shoot me, and I moved my entire force over the objective. It took me about six rounds to pick up the prize, but eventually I did. And I moved that with Shagrat, and I passed it on to Suladon, and then Suladon walked off the board with his horse. Um, but he, the only mistake he made was not pushing me. He, he sat back and shot me, and he got a decent amount of kills from shooting, to be fair. It's just at that point when I had gotten the objective, I had a defense seven hero with three wounds and three fate, and I could just basically walk it off the board at that point. Um, but that was his only mistake. You know, he, he did pretty well um, for somebody who was just starting off, and it was a lot of fun to play with him. I had a good conversation with him. Uh, so, yeah, that was game one, nine up, nine zero. Uh, again, I apologize. I don't remember my second opponent's name. He was a very, very nice guy. Uh, I hope to see him at the next tournament I go to in Mawa. Uh, very nice guy to play with. He took a Minas Tirith army, and it was, two, it was very interesting, too, because I had never seen this before. It was two king of men and two Knights of the White Tower as his heroes. And he ended up taking, I believe, about 39 Minas Tirith warriors to go with it. And um, he had a couple found court guard in there, and he had, a, I think, six cavalry models. Um, so he had a lot of you know hitting power in there and a lot of helping power. Um, and this one was to the death, so it was very simple. And I was telling him about it during the game, how sometimes I just like a simple mission, just go out there and kill. So it was very fun for me. Uh, but I realized that on paper, uh, I was out fighting him most of the time because I had the fight four with my Black Numenorians. And uh, he had his you know, fight three with the Minister. But I decided that it was to the death. And he had a banner as well. So I was, I was focused on getting that banner away from him. Um, so I called a heroic combat with both Suladon and Shagrat for the first two turns, both times. And I really chunked into his army. I think I ended up taking out 10 models in, in the first two turns with those two models alone. And um, at that point, it was just, he got a, I got a couple lucky rolls, I'll be honest with you. There were a couple moments where perhaps I overextended and I happened to win because of it. Um, but it ended up working out in my favor. And I ended up 12-0-ing that game. Uh, it's a very good game, very close game, very fun game as well. Um, so I hope to see you uh, again. I apologize for not remembering your name if you're listening to this, but very fun game. And my last game was against Andrew uh, Palmieri. 
I do remember him because I spent a lot of the day with him um, and we had a lot of good conversations. Friend of the podcast, Andrew Plummer. Yes, he has, he has commented. We did a list review, I believe, on the Ring Wraith, one of the Ring Wraith episodes. Um, or maybe it was the uh, German episode. But yeah, it was a good, good, really good guy to meet. Uh, had a lot of fun with him. He took a Survivors of Lake Town. And I looked at everyone's army. Keep in mind, this was about 12 to 15 people, I believe, were at this tournament. And he was one of the gentlemen's lists I saw where I, I really didn't want to play him because I knew that with Lake Town, I was going to get shot a lot. Um, I had eight bows in my army. He, I think, had like 16 or so. But he ended up taking Dane and Bard with the kids. And first... Wait, he had tur- Dane and Bard with all the kids at 650 points? He did. I think yes. you meant Bane, right? No, I meant Dane. Like he had Dwarf Dane? Dane? Oh, okay. Yeah. He had like, Dane the guy, like the guy in the pig. Yep, he had Got Alfred it. the kids with Bard on horse, and he had Dane to go along with it. All right, uh, he took seven Iron Hills with the list, and then I think he ended up taking Hilda. So it was thirty Lake Town with seven dwarves, um, and then he had um, the kids with Alfred with Dane and Bard. Yeah, so I think it ended up having the same amount of models. I think he had forty-two total models, and um, I'll tell you. I must have lost about 12 models before we even got into combat. He just shot the heck out of me. Bard was killing everything in his power. I, by the time I got into combat, I just, I, I had one plan. So he was backing up as I was heading towards him. This was and, pulled ground? Uh, this was, I apologize, let me pull that up real quick. Um, this was the one, yeah, I think it was hold ground. I believe it was hold ground, yes. Um, and I was at the objective... And I had three black Numenorians on the objective. Now he kept backing up the entire game to shoot me, obviously. And there were these two rocks about six inches towards the middle. And it was kind of like a cutoff point. So I realized that I'm not going to break him. I'm not going to outkill him. But if I can end the game with more models on the thing, three times as many, I will get seven victory points. I will win this game. So what ended up happening uh, was I was being broken. I was being killed. You know, the, the Iron Hills helped him out with the fight four at the back supporting. So we were the same fight five. So buying Black Numenorians didn't make a difference. Uh, he seemed to charge in pretty well against the Black Numenorians, which was, you know, to me it was upsetting because, of course, I want them to fail. So then I get to choose my fights. But, you know, dice are dice. What are you going to do about them? Um, but he played very well, and uh, in the end, he just broke right through me. I had one turn where I had to roll. The game was going to end. I rolled a six instead of a one to two, and then he proceeded to smash me, and he ended up getting a 12-0 on me. Um, so I did technically win this tournament. However, they did have a rule where um, basically the, there were two people. Andrew was one of them, and again, I, I apologize for the other person. I had spoken to you a couple times as well. I don't remember your name. Um, they won the, they came in first and second, but because I guess they were a part of this like membership program there, they could never actually win the tournament in the first place. So I, I won because they couldn't technically win the tournament. So technically I finished third, but I technically also finished first. So it's like a weird little win without winning. If that makes sense to everyone. Hey, winning um, on a technicality is still a win. It's still a win. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it, but it was a great game. I, I spoke to so many people. There was people from New York City. There were people from um, the local area. There were people from New Jersey. I think there was one guy from Philly. Um, it, was, it was a really good group of people. And it, what, what amazed me was it's probably the closest tournament I've ever been to. It was only three hours for me. And also they said that usually they have twice as many people go to these tournaments. So I was thrilled because I was happy with the 12 to 15 people they had there. They said usually they have, you know, 30 on an average tournament. So there was more to come for the future. So I was, I was really excited. So if anybody's in the Eastern area and they're looking to go to a tournament, I, I do recommend Mythicos um, in Mawa. It's a very good set of tournaments. And they seem to do tournaments every month to two months. So just keep an eye out for that. It's an interesting, like, they have 30 players but three rounds. I mean, you'd have, like, three winners. Unless you're I, I don't know if they changed <laughs> Well, technically, the this tournament did have three winners, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> but only one technical winner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have to say. Like, we seem to have a technical winner every tournament. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 glad you, I'm glad you went, though, Tim, because I told you, like, once John Sigsby took care of Mythicos, like, he pours so much energy and time into – into those events like even all the terrain did you like the terrain oh it was, the, it was stuff. It, you know nothing's going to beat noble for terrain but this was mm. ve- this was pretty decent terrain for just a pickup tournament kind of a thing so it's very good terrain that they brought they brought the fords of isengard which was pretty cool to see i don't know how well that would do playing because i think it's hard to balance miniatures on it but aesthetically it was fantastic they had a mordor board they had a moria board they had you know pretty much a lot of different boards you can imagine in in middle earth were there and they were functional yeah. and they did well it was very good to play on they, they actually have a podcast i think i believe too it's uh on Podbean called the hobbyist tale oh, i listened to their their like uh discussion of that tournament i think they're called vanguards so they're kind That's of like what turn- it was. Yes. Tur- turn- tournament organizers and because they're kind of tournament organizers with him they weren't allowed to place in the event but it sounded like andrew it's, it's pretty good because he's like his list sounded pretty nasty. Oh, he, I mean, I'll tell you, Dane and Bard, they just went through everything. And then you had the fight for in the back from the Iron Hills. And, you know, you had the numbers because of the Lake Town. So it was a very well built list. I have to give him credit. He did very well with it. Uh, it's very good to play against. Um, yeah, it's, I just have nothing but good reviews about this tournament. I really recommend anyone go if they're interested in the, you know, East Coast area kind of thing. It's in, uh, yeah, like I said, Mawa. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, I, they only post on uh, their Facebook, though. I don't believe they post on the ASBGA. Um, so maybe I'll talk to them about doing that in the future. Um, but they do post specifically on their website or their Facebook. So if you're looking, it's Mythicos. Yeah, it's, it's very fun. Um, I guess, unless anybody else has anything else to say, we'll move on to the Q&A. Yeah, I've never actually been there, but I've heard really good things about Mythicos um, and the events that they run there and, like, the crowd. I, so I liked it a lot. It was You had ample yeah. space to sit. You could put your miniatures. or yeah, I've seen some pictures of the, the venue. It looks good. So yeah, it's I, good. I, like, I, I used to go there all the time. It's, it's, it's really spacious. The people are nice, and it's got a friendly atmosphere, too. You have nobody coming there to power play. So you, it's there's like a fun feeling of you just yeah. bring cool themed lists and stuff. They just, they are so. um, more beginner friendly because a lot of them are starting to play off the game. Um, another great thing if you if you want to get out to a tournament and you're listening to this but you don't have an army painted, 
Um, they allow you to take unpainted armies. So obviously we prefer as a community that everyone paints their army, but let's say you weren't able to because you were busy and you just wanted to play at a tournament. Uh, they do allow you to take unpainted miniatures. They just kind of hurt you a little bit in the standings because they do tournament points for each game where you had a painted army. Um, and they also said that 650 is typical for them. They don't really go above 700. Um, so they don't do 800 points. So if you want a different tournament from anywhere on the East Coast, which is mostly 800 or seven, they do something different. You know, sometimes they say they do 500 point tournaments or something like that. So they do lower points, which is really interesting if you're into that kind of thing. So maybe consider that. Um, but yeah, okay. So we'll move into the Q&A now. So I'll bring up the first question. Um, it is from Jordan Y. And Jordan's first question is, what is one model that is statistically bad that always overperforms for you? Possibly so much so you're inclined to put it in lists. So I'll start off with Matt. Do you have any model like that? Oh, boy. Um, yeah, this is putting me on the spot. Uh, I'm going to take a pass, and okay. I'm going to hand this off to somebody else. I think everyone and... needs to prepare for this kind okay. of question. <laughs> <laughs> and well, I'm going to the second one first. I'm got to think on this, too. I'm like, uh -oh. Wow. Uh, okay, to the okay. book. <laughs> Matt, uh, what is your favorite model and why? What is my favorite model and why? Um, so, wait, right, wait, so, wait. Does that mean model is in profile or model is in the? I think you can well, interpret that whichever. You do both. Like. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. I don't, I don't think he's. I think you um, can interpret that maybe aesthetically or model or profile wise, whichever you prefer. So, uh, I. All right. So there's the answer I should give, and then there's the answer I'm going to give. Um, so the answer that I should give is Galadriel, Lady of Light. And for anyone who wants an explanation as to why, um, we've had a couple of different compilations of like what are the you know most undervalued or most useful models to to bring in an army, and I think she tops mine. Um, and and it's a nice model too. I mean, in in particular, actually, it, the the Galadriel Lady of Light model, I think probably comes in second to I think it's the Galadriel like Lady of Lothlorien one, the profile that has since gone away, but you can now use as the war aspect Galadriel. I think that's actually a better model. Um, but uh, the my my actual favorite model and why as to as to the one I have the most fun with when I play, and that's probably Gandalf what? Gandalf the White just because you know and, and we've discussed this on the podcast before as to who your favorite wizard is um yeah you know, he's he's very expensive so you know he's not somebody you take all the time but i have never not had fun with that model when i've played it uh on the table and i think that's who my um i think that's who my selection would be actually matt i, I think i thought of your answer for the first question <laughs> oh, okay Signal tower oh yeah no you're absolutely right i'm flipping through the book and i'm like oh yeah that's that would yeah, be yeah, yeah. um does anybody else know theirs if not i'll go for mine um i would say my favorite model is sauron uh he's just my favorite from both the books and the movie he's the bad guy he's kind of the reason i like lord of the rings um but i would also do a strong very strong number two and three would be elisar and gilgalad I just, those are my, probably my three favorite profiles slash aesthetically looking models in the game. I just think they are awesome, awesome models. 
Um, Rainier, thoughts? Yeah, I think my favorite right off the bat would be Amdor, Lord of Blades. I think he looks amazing. He's really, really cool. You don't see him in the movies, so you have like some uh, freedom on like your paint paint scheme and stuff like that. So yeah, just him mounted is, in my opinion, outside of Huron, the coolest and best looking model out there. Um, Game-wise too, I think he has so many different rules to him that each game you play, some of them pop up that you like use like, okay, like Lord, all, all these different, different rules. You know what I mean? Like as he kills, he gets better. So he has that kind of bulk aspect to him um, with killing things, killing heroes and all, all of that. So yeah, that's why I chose him outside of that. I really, really, really like the camel profiles and models. So they just look really, really cool. Their poses all look different and the game style it's just different you kill stuff in the move phase but they're really bad in combat because they're fight three well not bad in combat but like they could be so yeah i, I like that but yeah right off the bat probably amder's my top one he just looks so cool and plays cool okay uh rob so my favorite model is one that you don't actually play with you at best use it as an objective but that's actually the dying boromir model and just partially it's because I love Boromir. Partially it's because that scene in the movie is just like, it makes me cry every time I watch it, even though I've seen it a hundred thousand times. And partially because like, I've just, I've never seen a model sculpted that literally looks like Sean being sad and dying. Like it just <laughs> captures that element of what it's supposed to represent so incredibly well that it's almost like you look at it and you feel sad. Right. Um, if I was going to go for some backups, it would probably be between some of the new plastics that have been coming out. Um, Treebeard comes to mind. The King of the Dead comes to mind and Aomer come to mind uh, in terms of models. Uh, now that's all I'm answering it purely on like aesthetically what my favorite model is because game wise, what I would play with. Um, I mean, it's, it's obviously Boromir. You all know that that's nobody's going to, that, right but aesthetically if i had to pick like one model that is my favorite it's the it's the cool dying boromir post yeah i like how you said well you know game wise it's boromir but you know aesthetically it's yeah. boromir. Boromir. <laughs> game wise it's boromir the flag i'll put it that way <laughs> all right uh Devin, i mean i mean so favorite model probably the hobbits to be honest um yeah i i think i play them I originally even started playing them, not even because they were actually competitive. I don't think I even realized they were, uh, but I, I just kind of enjoy the fact that this army clearly should not be fighting and <laughs> roaming around Middle Earth and doing its thing. But it's just it's a really quirky army. So obviously it's a supplement, the Shire one. So just I'm going to say Hobbit Militia just to give it up. Um, but yeah, so I'd say those, um, you know, as far as profiles, I mean, I don't know. Uh I actually really like the lingering shadows profile. I mean, I guess that bouncing thing and the hot thing that he does, I kind of find pretty fascinating in the game, but I mean, obviously like he's not the best profile in the game. It's just sort of like a cool way to play the game. Um, and that's where I guess, I don't know, like as far as statistically bad model that overperforms for me, I mean, I, Jesus, I, I, I don't even like, I want to say that, like, it, everything I would pick, actually, like everyone would be like, "Well, that actually is a good model." So yeah, it's, it's yeah. Kind of I mean, funny. I have one that I that I don't know if people think is statistically bad, even though it's kind of statistically bad. But 
I mean, um, what I would have said was in the previous position, uh, Warriors of Gondor. I think I always <laughs> played Warriors of Gondor and no one else did. And it would shock people how well I would do in tournaments, which is swaths of which Horde Gondor was a thing. So then once again, it's like, well, of course, that was still a good army. Like, it, for for me, uh, exactly what you're saying, it would be Citadel Guard on horses with bows. Yeah. And like statistically, they're bad because they're definitely overcosted because they're basically more expensive than a Rohan Royal Guard on a horse with a throwing spear, right? Mm-hmm. So like objectively on points, they're overcosted and bad, but they always overperform for me, and I put them in every list, and I never regret it. <laughs> um, so Matt, if yours is the Signal Tower, um, I'll go ahead. I don't know if this really counts as a like, again. It's it, it's like Devin said. A lot of the times we end up taking lists that do pretty well because we take I'm going to say Aristor and I'm not saying he's bad but he's not like top of the list and for whatever reason when I take Aristor in like an all elven hero list he just kills 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 like his throwing dagger hits like every time and kills something I don't know what it is with with Aristor but he just always seems to do something for me when I take him Um, interesting mine would definitely be uh, Denethor okay like I throw Denethor in there because I, I used to TO like, <laughs> but that's true. the problem with this, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> or just, just a bad model. How do we bad? how do we judge this, right? Yeah. Of course, well, of course well, Denethor is statistically bad. Yeah, statistically. I mean, thirty five points hero valor, he yeah. he's done his job as soon as you put him in the list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I used to like TO and um like create lists as a ringer, and like of course you don't build good lists, and I would just bring Denethor with generic um, knights and like whatever captains and stuff. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this is actually really good. Even from a statistical oh, standpoint, he's not but, bad. But he, 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 here's one, I guess here's one that pops up. <laughs> Knights of minister. Those are ones that I guess aren't always taken and always whenever I throw them in, they just kill everything. So yeah, that, that that's, that's really funny because for me, Knights of Minas Tirith are the exact opposite. Every time I use them, they fail horribly. <laughs> Usually fail a courage test and run off the board at the worst possible time. <laughs> and I hate them for it. So. Yeah, I, I, I'm the same way. They always like go to charge in for me and they like, they, they let their lance dip too, too low and it sticks in the ground and they end up like catapulting themselves off of their own horse and dying. Um yeah, Every no, time I play like Reconnoiter or something, they'll get right to where they can run off the board and then f- fail a courage test and flee and I'll lose the game. Like every time. So, <laughs> You know what? I think I know mine, but only based on one tournament. Throne of Skulls, I brought Barador and I brought a Siege Bow. And it's, it's just, you know, Throne of Skulls. Triple Siege I Bow? I hit one time every game, just once. And it was really weird to keep track of it. But that one hit, was dang on pig just made him go flying <laughs> like, uh, Gandalf the white even through blinding light like that one shot that I actually made like amazing totally it was like yeah I would shoot at the whole game and, and we would always make fun of the fact that of course it didn't hit but that one time it did it made just a beautiful because people ignore it they like forget it exists they're like oh yeah the siege bow yeah go ahead and shoot it like and, and so you don't even play based on it so I would say that that model one siege bow like overperformed in that tournament. It's that clutch shooter. It doesn't matter if he makes the other shots. It's just that last <laughs> one that matters. Well, it's just it, I think it really was that no one was uh, no one was playing based on it. Like they would just they'd be like, yeah, whatever, just throw Dane out there and who cares? It's never gonna hit. And then I don't know, <laughs> Devin. Maybe you also have like unerring accuracy against Gandalf because I remember playing a game against you with an Isengard bow 
and you shot through like three in the ways and blinding light my Gandalf. And I was like, how, how he's got like a million rerollable fate. So maybe you just are good at killing wizards. There you go. <laughs> you should get like a, like a polo you wear to tournaments on the back of those wizard player. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll move on to the next person's question. Uh, it's by Chris James. Um, he says, one of his questions, I should say, is um, my, does minus one courage ever stack to utilize severed heads catapult? Have you guys ever done this before? Minus one courage ever stack? What does he mean? Harpinger stacking? And then I'm imagining. Yeah, that. I, I, think, no. I think what he's trying to do is get more than one minus one on the roll for severed I think there's currently catapult. no way to do that other than drain courage. I think there's, there's one way to do that, and that's with the golden king of Abracon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, well, you, but then we're talking about dropping the courage roll, the result. So it's not. I mean, yeah, it's minus one. Yeah, I, I mean, same, same effect, different way riders, to do it. Right? It's it, it's the only way I think to kind of to to magnify a minus one courage test, and that's with mm-hmm. the the Golden King's special rule where he gets to dump will into mm-hmm. um, yes. subtracting subtracting something i can't remember the exact yeah. mechanic but long story short harbinger does not stack if that's his question then yeah, yeah okay. there's there's no way to stack it if, if you if you want a list where you want to be like yeah i want that guy to run away when i hit it with a, a severed head you want to bring the golden king and the um and the the catapult because you can um you know drop it on the other guy's general he gets a minus one for having a ring wraith or something near him and then the golden king can say, yeah, I'm good. You know, all right. I saw what he rolled. I'm going to drop three will into that. So he can't possibly pass it. And he goes, bye-bye. Well, doesn't correct me if I'm wrong. Um, catapult has a 12 inch minimum range, correct? Does. Yeah. And you, you leave king the catapult behind. Max, maximum. Yeah. Yeah. No, you yeah. need to have your, your army and your ring wraith and the golden king out somewhere in advance of the catapult. You're firing into combats normally, Tim. Yeah. You're just still okay. lobbing them. Right. Um, his second question is when is a Warhorn worth it? Maybe if using the one ring with a Sealdor and Rivendell or a Morgul Knight slash Black Numenorians. Uh, so in your guys' if, opinion. If you're Courage it 2, it's worth it. If you're Courage 5, it's not really. Like, I mean, it. you know, it's it's one of those things where I guess you, you arguably want to be Courage 4 if possible. And then, and then I think it also depends. Like how many models do you have? So like Goblin Town, they don't care. Um, but uh, if you're playing like, you know, I don't know, uh, what was it? Azog's Hunters or something. Yeah, they'll typically take it. So I think it's if, if I think it's around that Courage 4. If you are Courage 2 and your lower number count, either or, then it tends to be more worth it than not because being a lower number count, you really need those charges to count. Um, but then it also depends on how expensive your army is and how easily you can get it. So like, you know, if you're playing Fiefdoms, then Warhorn's never worth it because you have four losses. <laughs> so... Uh, so it's just, it, I think it really depends. But I mean, ultimately, yeah, if you're playing a sealed door, I wouldn't take a Warhorn strictly for a sealed door. But if you're trying to get your Courage 3 Numenorians to 4, then sure, that, that makes well, sense. Or you don't they get that as an army bonus? Yeah, I was going to say. You just oh, yeah, the then you have bonus. an army bonus. So yeah, they don't even care. So yeah, in that case, it wouldn't be worth it, really. 30 points is a lot to pay to do something that may not come up in most of your games. So yeah, I have to say I have never purchased a Warhorn that like didn't come as standard equipment on like one of the heroes I was taking for some other reason. Yeah. The one that comes to mind for me at least is Hunter Orcs. Like I always think I in a Hunter Orc list, I, I would I think it's the only, only, only rule. 
that that's the thing is cards two armies that can't spend. So like Arnor, Donorgs, uh, or don't receive it automatically built into their bonus. So Mordor typically shouldn't or should bring one, but doesn't because its bonus provides it. So to get to courage three. So I think it's usually like courage two, but then you don't spam. It's like I actually it, see it, it, it depends on what you're doing too. in in Mordor decently frequently, but yeah, I think it depends on what you want to do too. Like if you have a combat heavy army, like a Mordor combat heavy army, you want to do it to get them into combat or yeah. the hunter orcs, you want to do it. But when it comes to like Harad or Corsairs, I never see them doing it because they just shoot. Like it's like, okay, you don't want to fight. Fine, I'll just shoot you and we'll, you force you to come fight me. So yeah. it's yeah, it depends on your army style. And then if your army has plenty of bodyguard style troops, like, you know, if you're playing Iron Hills and you have Dane drops in all fearless, it's like, who cares about your mm-hmm. war? So, so like, you know. One question I have, um, maybe my screen is obscuring here. Um, oh, okay, sorry. So when is a Warnhorn worth it? Maybe if using um, the One Ring with the Sealed Door or Morganized Black and Ornaments. So I'd say probably not to the first and occasionally to the second of those two options. I would actually say never with Black Norwegians just because, is it, well, is he saying against or when using? I, I'm interpreting uh, it as taking a Black Numenorean slash Morgul Knight with a Warhorn, yeah, to I which I say occasionally. Oh, okay, so so I mean, if you're taking frontline Black Numenoreans, if you want to take one Black Numenorean with it, that makes sense, but like, you would... I find it redundant in Mordor because you just take Fury, and Fury will kind of do that whole thing for you. Plus, they have the army bonus that gives them one if they're outnumbering anyway. So that just... I mean, that could bring them up to Courage 4, but I don't know. That seems like a lot of points where you could use them to increase your numbers to get that benefit anyway. And Black Numenorians are already Courage 4, so I don't really think you need them to be Courage 5. Same thing with Morgul Knights. They're already Courage 4. Why, why get them to Courage 5? It's I like think that, it was... I think it was much more of a staple in the um, previous edition where you didn't have the army bonus. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, and his third question was a ballista siege weapon shoots into combat. Does everyone suffer hit or only in a straight line? They just FAQ'd that. So yeah. That was just in a recent FAQ yeah. because before every, everyone in the combat was the target. So it would like fling the entire combat mm-hmm. <laughs> backward by technicality and then they FAQ'd it. Yeah, and I can tell you right where this is because I'm looking at it. Go to the errata, or not the errata, the frequently asked questions for armies of Lord of the Rings and um, look in the, the FAQs that deal with the dwarf ballista. And there's a question, how exactly do dwarf ballistae work when uh, they target a battlefield target? And it takes you step by step through everything that you do. But the short answer to your question is, once you shoot into a, once you get into a combat, um, everybody in the combat takes a strength nine hit. Uh, but it doesn't say this explicitly, but I think this is how it has been interpreted. Only the model that is actually hit gets the auto, you know, you auto die if you don't um, fade off that strength nine hit. Yeah. Um, and then all the models in the fight get the strength nine hit. All of them are knocked prone and take a, all of them are not knock prone um but just the model that was hit he gets flung d6 directly away and then if he goes through stuff there will be additional hits um uh from that and to those models um and and that's clarified in that section on the dwarf ballista 
And even though it says this is specific to the dwarf ballista, I, I don't see why this wouldn't be equally applicable to any other type of ballista that has that kind of fling back special rule. Okay. Uh, thank you for your questions, Chris. We'll move on to the next person, which is Charlie Knott. And he asks, do you think half Dale, half Army of Thor is competitive for 700 to 1,000 points? And also, what do we think is the best elite army that is not Rivendell? So to your first question, it's kind of impossible to answer that with new Dale models coming out. <laughs> I, th I think yes. The short answer would be yes. I think yeah. they're going to be extremely competitive, especially when you mix max match because I have a feeling the Dale heroes aren't going to be too expensive. So you can kind of keep the Dale horde aspect with even heavy hitting dwarves and you're just going to come up with like a 45 model-ish at 800 points list with like strength four, defense eight, uh, shooting like all sprinkled within it so i think it's short answer yes it's going to be competitive yeah i, I think know. i think going forward yes i think as it stands right now i probably wouldn't do it certainly not beneath a thousand points yeah, yeah. i mean I, I don't know it's going to depend about the new figures i mean by the way this this used to be a very competitive list and that was back when um you could have uh, effectively Dale and Army of Thor in the same army mm -hmm, right? so that you could get, you know, one third of your army would be Dale guys with bows and the other yeah. two thirds would be dwarves that killed folks. And you can't, you can't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, so what I think is going to happen is most likely given their addiction to legions right now is that there's going to be a legion that's going to be created where you can recreate that. Um, that's my assumption, assuming they don't say, oh, only dwarves can be led by dwarf heroes and only men right. can be led by man heroes, and in which case, never mind. And, uh, yeah. yep. <laughs> it's exactly the same. Okay, so, mm. so what I want to do before we get into the elite army question, what is your definition of an elite army? Is it purely based on points? Is it based on profile? What do you guys think elite means Is it in your interpretation of that? I usually think of it as small, so small and average. So if you were to take, so it has to be numbers based. So you can't go above, let's say, thirty models. I, I usually think, well, yeah, theoretically, yes. I mean, because otherwise you start to hit normal and spam will be the complete opposite of elite. So I often think of elite as like, generally, it's a smaller force, but the the stats are above normal tier profiles so yeah, a smaller like, quantity of higher quality troops yeah basically so, yeah so Robert what, said <laughs> would you consider for example fountain court guard at like 40 models is that not no army? no no okay. it's a spam army okay all right yep so uh, I, I, would, I would consider though like the banner with a whole bunch of fountain court guards and lady of light as as kind of an elite army because you have like the killing power you don't die i i, I don't know because we're we're kind of basing it off the rivendell and Rivendell is like fight five or six heavy army, small force. Doesn't does Iron much. Hills make it in there? Yes. Well, yeah, I think Iron Hills does. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, so. I, I, still, I still wonder if it depends, though, because you can build out a pretty spammable Iron Hills. So I don't think just simply having Iron Hills, like if I say I have a ballista, a bunch of captains, and all Iron Hills, I mean, it, it's, it, it's more of an elite army for sure, but there is a way to spam it out where it's not really elite yeah even so i mean with iron well you, you can't really spam iron hills i'm not i'm not convinced that there is a way to really spam iron hills just because the base the base purchase price for the figure is so high well spam spam is probably the wrong word i mean get it to normal numbers of 39 models at 700 points 
I think can be done. So it's like, I get, yeah, it is an elite army, you know? So, so I guess I think what we're all getting at in my book, what we're all getting at is that old legal maxim. You'll know it when you see it, you'll kind of know yeah, an elite, an elite army when you yeah. see it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you'll know it because you outnumber it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would go ahead and I'd say um, Airborne Reclaimed, personally, if I were to pick one. But you guys might differ in that. I understand. I'm not, I'm not sure yeah. you're wrong about that. Yeah. Um, I, Heck, you could, you could even do like a Durin's Folk, Durin, like. Yeah, but King, I, King's I whenever, when I take Durin's Folk, like I'll give an example, right? If I were to take uh, Durin with a King's Champion and a Dwarf King, and I even took all, um, what what are the the shield guys in front? What are they called again? Dwarf, vault, vault warden teams. Mm-hmm. I could still take I think eighteen sets of vault warden teams, which is thirty six models with all those heroes. You know, you can get so many models endurance folks. So I, for me personally, I don't think you can consider them elite. Because I can get so many models with them, I can get forty-five dwarves with Durnsfolk. Yeah. So it's elite in this sense, right? You could you could either get thirty-six models, eighteen sets of vault wardens, or you could get a decent used car. <laughs> <laughs> True. Oh, we're forgetting about ranges of the north. I guess they would be be considered. Elite, yeah, right? that's a good point. I, 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 I don't know. Ranges of the north are not the best. They're, they're, yeah. they're not they're the bad. Best. They're, they're an elite, elite they're army, good. but they're terrible. Like <laughs> I would I would put um, Thranduil's halls in contention. I, I you know I I, I think I, I'm yeah. torn between a couple of different armies. One of them is clearly Champions of Erebor, but I think Thranduil's halls is another one that's in there. Are we just saying like an elite army is just that? Like it doesn't matter how many numbers you have; it's just stats above. Like a well, that was my Thranduil question, right? Like so, it, on paper, Iron Hills probably have the best profile in the game for troops, right? Because they're fight four, strength four, can be defense eight, and can have fearless, right? So on paper, does that make them definitives, or are we going based on amount? Of, so that's why I kind of wanted to define it at the beginning. So if we're if we're gonna go ahead, and we're gonna stick with what we originally said. We said amount of models and a force. And let's say that we said that that army can't go past 35 models. What, well, what at, at 700 guys, points, I guess. Yeah. So we'll, we'll say 700 points, 35 models at 700 points. What what are you guys picking up if you had to pick one army? Maybe it's, it could just be Rivendell, right? Um, maybe. Well, no, maybe, it can't because the criteria is best elite army that is not Rivendell. <laughs> no, that is not Rivendell. Okay. Fair enough. No, no, I, no I, Rivendell, so, Tim. No, darn it! I wanted to. Uh, no, I would say I would say uh, Champions of Airborne, personally. All right, I'm sticking with Randall's Halls. For me, um, based on the criteria I consider to be elite, it is Iron Hills of some variation. So either pure Iron Hills or Erebor reclaimed, but it's based around the Iron Hills list, um, and that's also assuming you're allies, right? But yes. that's that's what it is for me. Okay. Yeah, I, I like Bash something when it comes to like Gondor, Fiefdens, Rohan, possibly even Lady of Light. That's what I think when I think of elite. I think of like the Polish meta, to be honest, yeah. where you see like 30, low 30 troops with a whole bunch of heroes with defense, strike, blinding light, and magic resistance mm-hmm. to where it's just like you don't see a weak hole at all mm-hmm. to where the numbers don't even matter because you can't even get through the numbers. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think. When I think elite, I just think back to our episode with ja- Jacob um, Yakov from Poland on like his list builds and like the polls. Yeah, I agree. But assuming no allies, I'd I'd say mm-hmm. Iron Hills for me. But I agree yeah. completely with you. Like that's what I think of for elite, right? Mm-hmm. 
I guess it, it kind of almost it's like weird on the definition of army because I mean if you say elite faction, then sure I agree with you guys. Iron Hills is an elite faction. You're right. It depends on what you fit into a list because <clears> you can't really say. I actually like the way Devin phrased that better, which is the better elite faction compared. To uh, and I think that's what he's asking because he said, "Yeah, an elite if he's going to say that, it's not Rivendell." I'll probably and and then it's like, are we ignoring legions because you have the Rohan Legion that I know it just got nerfed, but I I haven't assessed whether or not that nerf actually took it out of. Being well, and then that's another question, right? Like, if if you get thirty five cavalry, is that considered elite? Even though no, I'm not. I'm not talking about that. the The Rohan Legion, you don't play at thirty five cavalry. You play it as nine heroes. Right. Oh, I yeah. know. Okay, was, I, I thought you were talking about the other one. Never if mind. it was faction, I'd go Iron Hills. They just mm-hmm. have like a lot of tools to bring. If you want to bring like a small list, that's kind of hard to crack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the way the um, question is phrased. Um, best elite army that is not that is not Rivendell. Is it itself open? Because Rivendell, are you talking about Rivendell knights? Are you talking about like an infantry Rivendell? But the way I'm interpreting um, the question to be meant, which is like a single faction, I would say Iron Hills. Yeah, yeah, I'd be on okay. yours too, Rob. All right, and we'll move. I'm gonna on. go against the mold and say Far Harat. <laughs> I want it to be. <laughs> I see. No, not. Don't just take a bunch a of uh, half trolls. Just put them on half trolls and camels. That's <laughs> true. It can I'm be actually good. perplexed that Rainier is not going for Cond here, but you know, well, Cond can be. I don't think Cond is elite because because they're they're so weak, and you, yeah, you kind of have to. Spend not if everybody's on a chariot. That's, yeah, but that's a that's bad true. army. It's not the best. I know, <laughs> but I, I, I would think that Rainier would be up there defending them. I'm just, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm gonna join. I'm gonna join the people and throw tomatoes at them. Yeah. And then there's some armies that are not elite, but like you could play like Moria. There are ways to play that kind of elite heavy. I mean, um, yeah. Okay. Um, well, and you could also argue that like corsairs are somewhat elite because they shoot really well and they have really high stats, yeah. even though they have uh, low defense and numbers. But yeah, like, I, it's just not what I conjure in my mind when I hear elite. <laughs> We're like on this yeah. on this segment this is, of this defining is my, elite. Yeah, this is my sixty figure elite army, right? Like, yeah. 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 Be the name of the episode: defining the, the, elite. That, yeah, because I think this guy's talking about like low numbers. Because I did like when I was thinking elite. What is my elite? And it's just. Dalmir popped up into my mind with Corsairs. But yeah, I think I think that's we got it. Yeah, you know you have an elite army when you're outnumbered by every opponent that you fight. If you need blinding light, your army's elite. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, thank you for those questions, Charlie. I'll move on to the last one, which is <laughs> great name, a giraffe deity. Um, <laughs> we should put that banner on our Harad Force next time. We're uh, he, he asked um, about the viability of stacking ring rates. Is it? We'll start off with the first one. Do you guys think it's good to have two rates at six hundred points? Uh, it depends. I mean, what are kind they, of two yeah, are, are they basic? Are we talking about basic race? Then, if it's if it makes sense within the context of your list. Then yeah, if you're talking about named, that w- still though, I'd say it argue depends. Like if you have, if you throw the Witch King and Shadow Lord in a 600 point list, what is that 240? And you're not throwing them on Fell Beast maybe, and then the rest of it spam out of Orcs of Mordor, and then you have a final like Captain. Well, I think I think as weird as it sounds, like out of the five of us last episode, I was the only one on it with Mick and um, Evan, where we actually went over this with like all of our lists. Whoa, whoa. Matt's got a gun. 
I do. Oh, sorry. <laughs> He's, he doesn't like our answers, guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, yeah, but like we we kind of just just discussed this. Y'all weren't there, and the episode's going to pop probably in a few days. But yeah, that's all we talked about was list building with ring rates. I know I brought in who was it? The Witch King with Kamul at 800 points, both on Fell Beasts with Spam, Black Numenorians, and Moranans with Spear and Shield in the back. And Soladan with other with Cav, and I got like 40, 40 models with that. So I think there's you can stack them. We talked about like three generic wraiths and the mouth of Sauron, um, different types of things. But I think there's a lot of viability with stacking ring wraiths. I've yeah. seen um, Soladan plus double generic wraith on horses work really well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what about yeah, so, three yes. at eight hundred? Three at eight hundred is very possible. Yeah, I think you could get yeah. the Witch King with two generics. You could get, uh, like Rob said, um, two generics, probably three generics in Soladana 800. I think it's just very possible because they're customizable and all the named ring races do something different. So you literally say, okay, I need blinding light aspect, anti-shooting. Oh no, I need more combat, Kamul. And the, it's just, I think it's a really good thing. And I'm surprised, not so much surprised, but I think the meta went against ring wraiths, but I think you can kind of lean back into it and what about still three be very named? Uh, yeah, three I think names. that's that. That's right. That, that's I yeah. think becomes too rich a mix. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, yes, but now I made past. a list where I believe it was the Undying on Horse and two Kamul and the Witch King on Fell Beasts with forty Moranins and a drummer at. 800 points oh well i don't know if you guys would consider that but i would consider that if you can get if you can get all that into um one list i would definitely consider that so maybe i maybe i stand corrected you so you had three named ring wraiths and 40 moran and orcs in that i list? think it was 38 or 40 with a with a drummer hmm. and two of them are on felby's yeah i'd two of them are on felby's yep the question yeah. i'd ask about that is would you consider that elite though <laughs> no army with 40 Moran and Orcs is elite. It's the 40. If you had 39, I'd say it's elite. But the 40 makes <laughs> 39, elite, yeah. so like, 39 is perfectly acceptable. It's fine. It's Matt, remember when we did the ranking of the ring race yep, where yep. six was the cutting point and seven? Yep. I think you could take nine <laughs> ring rates at 800 points. We run the legion. Yeah. No, I, I remember. That. I can't remember what we were ranking, but we were uh, we were ranking oh, the dark marshal. The dark marshal, where like six was tolerable for you, but yeah, but seven was reprehensible. Seven was no unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> um, and actually, Devin, he has one last comment for you. He says, "I was surprised to hear Devin rank the Dormer like so low." He said he's been playing a list with him at six hundred points alongside the painted and loving him. Um, he says he plays them because they are the only wraiths I have, but I discovered fun strat synergies with their special abilities. What other dark synergies do you guys see for ring wraiths? So I guess that's a quick response to the, the yeah, I mean, as far as ranking them, I mean, hey, someone had to rank low, right? But uh, I was uh, like a ton too, so I it, don't know why it was just you he was upset with. Yeah, I think everyone yeah, he's ranked terrible. Uh, I, I, I assume he heard you put the dark marshal at like third, and he's like, Pfft. Yeah, all right. I'm ignoring it. I'm ignoring Tim. <laughs> he, his, his opinion doesn't matter <laughs> at this point. It, it's... No, I mean, you know, so it sounds like you're, you're having fun with the models, and, and that's good. And I think, yeah, play. I, I mean, I don't think our ranking 
was to say never play this character except for the Knight of Umbar. We all said do not. Yeah, play. never. You can like paint <laughs> him as a statue and just leave him there for your Umbar yeah, bird. He's probably serving more purpose there. Well, and <laughs> the Undying too, not so great. So. Oh well, then you might want to well, listen to the episode. I kind of yeah. Well, I like we had about like five. Those and are above. some fighting. I we like had about like five and above. Yeah, we're like, yeah, we, we're still better party, than the Dwemer Lake, though. Well, the Dwemer so, Lake we all ranked ooh. universally well. And, Undyne's really good. We're we're at like tea party like drinking. Rob just yeah. like shows up and <laughs> starts smashing everything. No, I'm, I'm just gonna flip not, a table. You know, we and don't leave. have someone to start controversy. <laughs> we need we need Rob to step in. So, I mean, I, I will say this: if there if there is a ring wraith out there that's going to create a dark synergy, and by the way, I love that phrase. I think somebody needs to start a band with that name. But uh, if there is a ring wraith out there that creates dark synergies, the Dwemer Lake is the guy that does that just with um, how he works. And I think, you know, if you're going to take two named wraiths, um, he's, he's definitely somebody that I would, I would think to throw in there as either your second or, or third wraith and just have him run around there on a horse or, or something like that, um, casting his damping field around um, to yeah. deal with spells. I think, I think that's that's the way you use them. In combination with other damping sort of effects, Dwemer like can be effective. Like he's he's he has a use. I think in the episode I talked about of him being so low, it's by the time he's done reducing someone and casting spells, it's really like one, maybe maybe max two heroes he's really affecting, which is why. I'd, and and that's maybes, right? Like cause you still got to get a 50-50 roll, and then you know. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, he, he definitely has uses i, I guess uh, dark synergies for ring rays but, i mean ring rays ultimately anything that keeps giving negative modifiers um so i mean i see golden king i see uh, well i mean let's unless we're just strictly saying ring rays well yeah uh, which i think he is I, I mean the other one that used to exist right was the undying um with his his you know ability to kind of get back the will from other ring rays casting mm-hmm, spells yeah. and then he was amazing in my opinion yeah and that i mean as we discussed in a couple episodes ago yeah that's that's kind of been nerfed to the point where i'm not sure that's the greatest um thing but you know really it, the synergy wraith i think really at this point is either the drummer lake or um Who's the? Uh, I think it's the tainted. Is the tainted the one who prevents people from take getting the benefit yeah. of yeah. other people's? So his the combo he's using is literally the one that he's saying he has yeah. a lot of fun with, which makes sense because they are pretty decent together. Yep. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, he's having fun with it. I mean, that's it though. I mean, otherwise they don't really. <laughs> it's their spells that you can say kind of synergize, which all of them have. So, I, I mean, no, I guess. The other one that I throw out there is like the the killer caster combination, right? So like the Shadow Lord and Kamul, for example, where Kamul's the guy who's going to, you know, the Shadow Lord's the guy who's like keeping you safe from shooting and casting all the spells. He's your support wraith. And then Kamul's the guy who swoops in and actually kills stuff or, Mm -hmm. you know, Witch King, Shadow Lord or something like that. Mm -hmm. Some sort of killer support wraith combination. And there's, I think there's a couple different ways you can do that. Yeah, or even the double double killer like Witch King Kamul, and it gives you like that old sense of just like shenanigans with two fell beasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, let us know though uh, in the future if you still want us to continue to do these. We'd like to do these every few months, get you guys' questions and answer them. I'll let us know any list reviews as well, and any ideas you might have for us for the future. And we look forward to seeing you guys next week.